Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It is a great morning here. It's super dark outside, but the weather's finally cooling off a little bit, starting to feel like fall. It's going to be back in the 80s today again in Nebraska, but yesterday was a nice day, 50s and 60s, and finally starting to cool off, and this long, hot summer is going to yield. I'm trusting it's going to yield to uh, my favorite time of year, which is the fall. The geese will be here soon. We've got all the migratory starlings and swallows and Franklin's gulls and all these amazing birds that have passed by the river. And they clear out just in time for the geese and the ducks and the swans and all that amazing stuff to come. So it's coming. And I hope that you're having a great day wherever you are. Listen, um, today's the day I've been telling you we're going to move the podcast over from Podbean to Substack. And that's happening today. Today will be the first episode that I launch just through Substack. And there may be some glitches. So whenever you switch podcast feed, sometimes it takes a day or two for everything to populate. So if you don't um, hear this for a couple of days and it's probably because it took a while for your podcast player to catch up if you are one of the patrons the supporters who have been helping us uh, share this message across the world through podbean uh, your account has been canceled so you won't be charged anymore There's, there won't be any more charges for that go- that generous gift that you've given to help the podcast grow and we lisa and i have, have converted that account into Substack, and you have an email waiting for you today from me to explain how that works. So um, just because you don't see your patron thing pop up um, doesn't mean you're gone. You're still there. You're just on Substack now. So if you have any trouble finding your paid-for content, then holler at me, Lee, at drleewarren.com, and we'll go from there. Uh, We are greatly excited about the new Substack um, streamlining of the workflow for me. It takes what used to be three or four different apps that I had to use are all now going to be in one place. It's going to really help me out and save me some time, uh, make things much more efficient. So, hey, today we're going to talk about a weird little Latin phrase that uh, I want to share with you. And in my crazy brain, um, when I hear something, sometimes it just locks in and I immediately can see how it will help you. And this Latin phrase, mutatis mutandis, mutatis mutandis. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what it means to wait for the Lord. We're going to talk about what you need to do when you're in a season of waiting. And as always, Lisa is going to tell us how to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery. To get it done, you can get the show notes and more at drleewarren.podbean.com. That's drleewarren.podbean.com, and if you like the show... Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Hey, okay. So 
I told you we're going to talk about this weird Latin phrase, mutatis mutandis. What in the world does that mean? Well, mutatis mutandis is a term that's used all over the place in law and mathematics and engineering. It's, it's, it's in contracts. It shows up all over the place in legal writing and technical writing. And sometimes in literature, mutatis mutandis. And what it means is the necessary changes having been made or having substituted new terms with respective differences taken into consideration or having changed what needs to be changed. So in other words, if you see that phrase mutatis mutandis, and I'll put a link in the show notes to a page about it. If you're reading something and it says like, for example, it might be a contract that says Company A and Company B are going to merge mutatis mutandis on September 5th, 2023. And she made that up. But what that would mean is that, that these two companies have agreed that they're going to merge their businesses as long as a certain set of changes that they both agreed to are in fact made. That so mutatis mutandis just means, okay, we've agreed on all this whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen, and as long as that plays out the way we've agreed to, then this next event will occur. It's a, it's a necessary set of circumstances that have been agreed to without having to say company A and company B are going to merge as long as the board does this and so-and-so did that, and this asset sale goes through, and this thing happens, and that contract gets signed, and you know the 500 things that might have to happen when two companies are going to merge. Instead of that, you're going to say mutatis mutandis. As long as all these changes get made the way we expect that they are and we've agreed that they will be, then that event is going to happen. What in the world do I have in store for you related to that? Well, let me tell you. Sometimes it feels like we are in a season of waiting. Somebody that I dearly love, um, in fact, uh, this past week, somebody that I dearly love said in a moment of frustration Lee, it just feels like no matter how hard we try, we work hard to try to please God. We do everything right. We, we keep being generous and, and all these things. And it just feels like he never is coming through. Like, when is he going to do what he said he's going to do? When is God going to lift his foot off my neck? It feels like he's just not letting me up. And I don't know what to do. I, I think I'm doing everything right. And I just don't know what to do. And it's hard when you're in a season like that, when it feels like things are always hard. You're so tired of being so tired, and nothing seems like it's going to ever go the way you felt like God told you it was going to go. And you just keep doing and keep trying and keep waiting and keep praying, and it just seems like he's not doing his part. Maybe you're in a relationship that's struggling. Maybe another person has let you down. Maybe they cheated. Maybe they left. Maybe they won't stop drinking. Maybe they're abusive. And you just feel like there's no way out and there's no end to it. And you keep praying and you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe maybe you've been alone for a long time and you keep praying and being faithful and asking God to bring somebody into your life that will help you to not feel so lonely. And Maybe it just feels like it's never going to happen. And, and what then? What do we do then? Maybe you feel like this this medical issue you've been working on, you've been dealing with, it's just never going to stop, and, and it's just brutal, and you're getting just tired, so tired of all these doctor's visits and all this pain and all these issues, and that's a world I live in every week. I see people who have been struggling for years and years and years, and do they give up? Do they just become hopelessly addicted to pain medicine? Do they go on disability? Do they just quit, or do they keep fighting and trying to find another opinion and, and trying to find the right person to take care of them? What do they do? I'm really sorry. Sorry, by the way, I'm really super congested today. So if you hear me sniffling or sneezing, I'll try to edit all that out, but forgive me. There's just times when it feels like God's never going to come through. And I just want to, first of all, encourage you that he will. 
You're not alone. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't stopped looking at you. He hasn't stopped caring about you. And he's got a plan. Don't forget that Two Steps with Tata episode that we did a while back about Daniel praying, where Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for three weeks, 21 days. He prayed and prayed and prayed to get his life out of this desperate situation. And when the angel finally showed up and he said, hey, I heard you on the first day, but I was tied up dealing with something. I was tied up combat, you know, doing this spiritual warfare against this prince of Persia, he called him. So the point of this story from Daniel is that God hears you and he's doing something and he's working and he's already planning on how he's going to handle the situation that you're in and the part of the story that your life is telling, even if you can't feel it yet. So here's a couple of scriptures. First of all, there's this passage in Psalms 13. It's a great work through a, a lament of how to move down the parallel tracks, as Mark Brogap has said so well, of sort of pain and anguish, but also faith. Here's what David said. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? He's in despair, right? How long? It's just like this person that I love said to me this week. When's God going to stop? When's he going to come through? When's he going to do what he said he was going to do? David says, David gets up in God's face here. Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He's basically saying, if you don't give me some help here, Lord, I'm done for. I'm hosed. I can't go on anymore. Verse 4, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Now, here's the, here's the turning point for David, verse 5 and 6. This is, remember, I've told you before, hope is a verb. It's an action word, and it requires two things. It requires memory, and it requires movement. you got to remember that he's always been faithful before, that he's gotten you through tough things before, that it's been hard before and seemed impossible, but you came through it. And then you have to move towards trusting in the plan and believing him. So here's what David does. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. So he's remembering that God's love has never run out before. And then here's the movement in verse 6. I will sing to the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. He's, he said, I'm going to sing. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to pray. I'm going to praise you, Father. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to move towards your love because you've never let me down before. I have no data to suggest that you will again. And I'm going to just work with you through this tough time. And I'm going to hold on until you take care of it. I'm going to sing your praise for you've been good to me in the past, so I know you'll be good to me in the future. That's the that's the posture, right? He's changing his mind. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. Remember that? Micah 7, 7 says that. He's in the midst of a problem, and he says, But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I will wait for the God, my Savior. My God will hear me. He's doing self-brain surgery here. I'm going to hope. I'm going to wait. I'm going to watch. My God is going to hear me. He's going to come through. I know he is. There's another example in Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk is saying, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Or crowd to you violence and you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. The law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails, he's saying. So Habakkuk's throwing up his hands in God's face. How long must I call for help and you don't answer me, God? Can you imagine that, having the tenacity? But it's okay. God's given us permission here. When you're in the midst of one of these seasons, it's okay for you to say to him, Jesus, why are you taking so long? 
What's going on? Why aren't you going to help me? But here's the thing. Down in verse 5, God answers him finally. And he says this, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. God's saying, I'm getting ready to do something you're not even going to believe. My idea for you is so much bigger than what you thought I was going to do. My my plan is so much better. My comfort is so much greater. My pain relief is so much more complete. I am got a story that you're going to tell with your life if you'll just hang on. That's what he says. What in the world does all of that have to do with mutatis mutandis? So you remember the story in the Old Testament of how the people had to wander around the desert for 40 years because they had sinned. So God got them out of Egypt, and he got them all the way to the promised land, and they didn't have enough faith to go in. They, they, they were afraid. The scouts came back and gave the report, and Joshua and Caleb were the only two of the 12 scouts that said, hey, we can do this. And the other one said, oh, these guys are giants, and the cities are fortified, and we'll never be able to make it. And they, and they didn't have enough faith. And so God said, all right, you guys are going to wander around the desert until all of you die, and then your kids are going to get into the promised land someday. But not you, because you blew it. And so what, what happens is... At the end of all of that 40 years, in Joshua now, Joshua 3, chapter, five, chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua gets to, finally, they're at the bank of the river, okay? They've, they've wandered for 40 years. They're about to get, it, to get ready to go in, and the following day is when they're going to cross. They're going to take the Ark of the Covenant across the river, and God's going to put them in the promised land finally. And Joshua says, Joshua 3, 5, on the eve, eve of this massive event that's finally going to bring all their dreams to come true, Joshua says in, in 3, 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. He doesn't just say, hey, get up tomorrow and we're going into the promised land and God's going to do all this cool stuff. He says, Consecrate yourself. He says, get yourself ready, okay? You've been waiting. You've been in a series, a season of years and years and years of marching and waiting and wondering and hoping and dreaming and praying and being frustrated and being hot and cold and tired and all those things. And now it's time. Get yourself ready. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself ready, okay? Mutatis mutandis. Mutatis mutandis. He's saying... If you'll be ready, if you'll consecrate yourself and set yourself apart, then tomorrow God's going to come through for you. And so what I'm coming to you today with just a little idea, just a, it's not fully developed and I think there's a lot to be considered in this, but the idea is when you're in a season of waiting, it's not wasting time. It's changing time. It's time for you to consecrate yourself. It's time for you to say, hey, if I'm lonely right now and, and I'm wondering why God's not bringing me a relationship, maybe I can spend that time getting closer to Him, getting comfortable with myself, understanding what's caused me trouble in previous relationships, or maybe I can become a better person, a better student, a better you know, uh, companion. I can be a better spouse for somebody else. Maybe during this time when I'm lonely, I'll sharpen myself right? Maybe during this time that I'm trying to recover from this illness, I'll press into rehab and I'll get stronger. Maybe I'll start 
reconnecting with a, a relative that I've had a broken relationship with in this time when I feel stressed and anxious, maybe I'll search myself and find out if there's some sin or some problem that I've been dealing with that God's saying, hey, I'm not abandoning you. I just can't go down this road with you because I need you to get rid of that alcohol. I need you to get rid of that thing before I can bring you this blessing. God says, uh, if a man's not faithful in small things, I won't give him big things. So maybe instead of praying that God's going to give you the mega millions lottery, maybe instead ask him to help you find a friend who can help you balance your checkbook and manage the money that he's trusted you with now, right? Maybe it's not wasting time. Maybe you're not just marching around the desert. Maybe God's saying, hey, friend, consecrate yourself. Get yourself ready. Make these necessary changes. So he says, I have a plan for you mutatis mutandis that I want to give you and I will tomorrow or I will a year from now or I will five years from now but you got to make these necessary changes first right if you're not faithful with small things you won't be faithful with big things if you're had a previous relationship that failed because you and your spouse or your partner couldn't work out interpersonal differences remember there were two people in that relationship and you can't control what they did but you can control what you did and so maybe sharpen and clean up the things that the parts of yourself that will make it difficult for another person to be in a relationship with you maybe learn how to control your spending and you'll learn how to handle more blessings if they come along. Maybe instead of wondering why you don't get that promotion and begging and praying and, and, and cajoling God to give you more responsibility, maybe become a super duper captain of your ship and the job that you have now and outperform your peers and start focusing on becoming a better professional or a better student or a better athlete or whatever it is that you're doing in your season of life right now. Maybe instead of just waiting and waiting and waiting, maybe spend some time consecrating yourself, getting yourself set up and ready to be successful when God comes through with that plan. Does that make sense? We've talked a lot about eye trouble, where where we see everybody else's problems, but we don't see our own, right? But sometimes maybe waiting time is, is consecrating time. Maybe it's time to be making those changes that are encapsulated in that wonderful little Latin phrase, mutatis mutandis. When the necessary changes have been made, then this thing will occur. Does that make sense? I hope so. I hope it makes sense. Let me tell you something else that I think is important. Sometimes we have a great success and we bask in the glow of it and we feel proud of ourselves and all those things, and we should. And sometimes we um, f- pray for God to give us something or pray for God to do something, and then when he does, we forget to thank him for it. Well, there's this interesting passage in Isaiah 42 where God's basically taking the people to task because they're using false gods and, and idols and all that. And he says, see, the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being, I announce them to you. God's saying, I'm going to tell y'all what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen so that when it does happen, you won't turn to those idols and say, verse 17, but those who trust in idols who say to images, you are our gods will be turned back in shame. God's predicting, he's telling them what's going to happen and then reminding them that when it does, they're going to try to give credit to somebody else besides him. And why am I telling you that? Here's why. Sometimes we pray, God, give me success in school. And then when we do well in school and we get a great job, we forget that it was him that gave us that success and we, and we pat ourselves on the back for how hard we studied, 
right? Sometimes we pray that God will get us drafted to the NFL, and then when he does and we win rookie of the year, we do all the interviews and tell people how hard we trained and how hard we worked and how, you know, how fun it was to win that award. And we forget that God's the one that enabled us to get the scholarship that got us to college, that got us to play in college, that got us noticed by the NFL, that got us drafted. We forget to pat him on the back. And so he's saying, hey, I'm telling you, I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. I die for you. I have forgiven you. Your name is in my book. I've given you a yoke that's easy to bear. I've, I've let you cast your anxieties and your cares on me. And when I give you, finally, when I come through with the thing that you've been asking me for forever, don't forget that it came from me. To make the change in your heart, friend, that he's going to be enough for you. Right, He's going to be the source of your strength. He's going to be a good companion, a faithful friend for you. And he's going to be the reason for your success. And he's going to be the reason that all these things came through. And if you have a disease that he won't cure, he's going to be the reason you can bear up under it. He's going to be the reason that you can fight through it. He's going to be the reason that you have the strength to still tell a good story with your life, even as those days are drawing shorter. That makes sense? Mutatis Mutandis gives us this idea that there are necessary changes that need to be made before certain things can come to pass. And I think that's a great thing to think about when you're in a season of waiting. How long, O Lord, must I call for you? Must I call for help? And you don't listen. And God says, hey, just look and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe even if I told you. That's what's going to happen, friend. He's going to come through. He's got a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Everything works out for the good of those who love the Lord. And that's hard to hear sometimes when you're in the midst of something hard, but that's a promise from Scripture. And I can tell you, nine years after losing a son, it's turned out that there's some, some real good that has come out of me going through that experience, Lisa and I and our family. Not, not that it's good that we lost our son. It's not. It's the worst thing ever. But it's a parallel track of something that God's, always faithful and God's always helpful and he's always helping you even though life is hard like Jesus said in John 16 33 so those two parallel tracks are always true and so you know what's come out of it you're hearing my voice and I'm spending a lot of my life trying to help other people who are in that pit of despair of having lost or gone through something really hard and those changes inside of me that have happened as a result of losing my son have worked out for my good. I'm, I'm, I'm a much more faithful person now, but I know that God means it when he says that he is close to the brokenhearted. I know that's true because I could not have survived that without him. I know it's true that my wife will stand by my side no matter what happens in this life. She will never leave or forsake or give up on me because she was there in my darkest hour. So I know that God has equipped me and empowered me to go through some really, really hard things so that I can then put words to them and give them to you because I needed that mutatis mutandis moment. I needed God to say, Lee, I may have a, a role for you that's not just about you being a neurosurgeon. I may have a role for you to speak into a microphone at 3 o'clock in the morning and help somebody in Croatia or Lithuania or, or El Salvador or Dallas find some hope on a day when they thought they had run out of hope. And you know what? It's, it's seven or eight people now that have emailed us over the years and said, I was, this was the day I was going to take my life and the day I just happened to listen to your podcast and some, for some reason I found some hope and now I'm going to reconnect with church and I, and I start to feel like I'm going to make it. It's, it's over seven people now that have sent that kind of message to us. 
this podcast kept them alive. And you know what? That's a good thing. Even though it started out of the most desperate place in my life, mutatis mutandis, there were some things that needed to change that had to be changed before God could make me who he needed me to be. And one of them is I had to stop thinking I was in control of my own life. I had to stop thinking I was able to take charge and be this type A hard-charging neurosurgeon and that I could make everything happen. And he bombed that out of me in Iraq. And now I know where my strength comes from. I know where my health comes from because those changes got made. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Nope, he won't. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Hope's a verb, friend, but there's a lot of gap. There's a huge distance between how long, O Lord, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. And the gap is mutatis mutandis. It's the changes that need to be made to get your heart and your brain ready to to believe and trust and hope and know that whatever happens, he's got your back and he's on your side and he'll be there for you. I'm going to play a new song for you. Tommy Walker and the band have released another of their soulful scripture songs. This one's called My Delight. It's so much fun. Brian Taylor on the drums is just going nuts here. And this song is just My Delight is in the Lord. And that's where you have to get to, friend. When you're ready to start today and you can put your delight in him and trust in him no matter what happens, that's the mutatis mutandis. That's the change that had to be made. And that's where we can get to. You got to get after it. And let's start today. Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night.
Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren podcast is listener supported. Check out patron.podbean.com slash Dr. Lee Warren. That's patron.podbean.com slash Dr. Lee Warren. Patrons and partners get free books, transcripts, special patron only episodes and more. And partners like you allow us to stay ad free and keep growing. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.